This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Gaios Landscaping Service. Tired of trimming the hedges? No way to remove that tree that's become an eyesore. Let Gaios lend a hand. Using our patented sonic cutting technique, we can cut, trim, and shape all your trees, shrubs, and hedges with absolute precision. In fact, we're so confident about our work that we do it all at night, allowing you to awaken to a fresh new view. Don't go to extremes and burn down the mountain. Call Gaios Landscaping Service, your expressway to a better lawn. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me is the special guest host. <laughs> Still, uh, no, he's he's a full-on host now, uh, Michael from the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. How are you doing, Michael? Howdy, everybody. You doing all right? Yeah, like, I think what we were talking about just now, it's just been sort of a... Um... It's just been sort of a weird weekend, I guess. Yeah. Um, had a lot going. Had a lot going on. Had some family stuff to take care of, and just been. It's just been kind of busy. Um, yeah. So, but it, it's been good. It's been a good kind of busy, but it's just been just uh, maybe a slightly bit stressful. Yeah. Oh, I can. I can imagine. <laughs> I know how that is. All right. Well, uh, we've got a pretty full episode. Uh, coming up this uh this week so let's just jump right into the news we've got a few news stories that were floating around the internet this week in the world of giant monsters the first one uh i count uh dinosaurs as giant monsters so (laughs) just so everybody knows that's fair that's fair uh so our first bit of news is the new title for jurassic world 3 has been revealed by colin trevorrow uh it is jurassic world new era so, what do you think about this new title for Jurassic World 3? So, I have really enjoyed all of the gra- Jurassic Worlds. Mm-hmm. The uh, Jurassic World um, Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen mm-hmm. Kingdom. Um, and I'm just super interested to see how, how life is going to be like when humans literally now have to interact with, with dinosaurs all over again. Yeah. Uh, so it should be a super interesting film. I'm hoping, um, um, I, I, I'm just kind of, I'm just really hoping for some good, some good Rexy action to be honest yeah. with you, or maybe, uh, maybe, maybe some good action from blue. Cause I think my wife's, fa- my wife's favorite dinosaur from, uh, the Jurassic world series has always been blue. We, we really liked blue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting how the last movie ended with, dinosaurs in the real world and so i'm really interested to see where that's going to lead um i've i'm like you i've been uh i've been enjoying the jurassic world movies i haven't been one of those ones that's on the side of you know i mean i know they're they're never going to reach that level that the original jurassic park reached and the original jurassic park's always going to be special but they're fun. Mm-hmm. They are a lot of fun, and they are taking it in a new and interesting direction. And so I'm 
looking forward to it. And so this idea of a new era is kind of nice. Wouldn't you say though, wouldn't you say that this is sort of, it's wouldn't you say that this is sort of the, this feels like the franchise's natural conclusion. This is what they've been working towards this whole time. Yeah. It feels like that. It feels like, you know, there's only so many times where you can be on an island or so many times you can be in a lab before it's just like you need to progress towards something. And this is just like, I'm sure I I don't know the man. I don't know. But if Michael Crichton, you know, wanted to write a series, he probably would have, you know, had more dinosaurs in the real world and interacting. Uh, So I don't know. (laughs) There was a, if I'm not mistaken, there was a series similar to that. Uh, was it, um, shoot, was it Dinotopia? They were books before. Uh, Dinotopia, and... yeah. Well, Dinotopia is a is a different animal because it's it's an older uh, book series that uh, it tells about an island uh, where dinosaurs and humans kind of evolved together. Is the story okay. behind it? Um, and so you have talking dinosaurs who can, you know, are basically human-like, but they still are dinosaurs. And so it's kind of the story about that. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it is kind of, it's humans and dinosaurs interacting, but it's still on this, like, island out in the middle of, you know, nowhere where no one's ever been to and stuff like that. I feel like that, but I, I just was thinking maybe that maybe I'm thinking of a, a show that I watched on Netflix and I cannot think of it. I really cannot uh, think of the name of it. Was it Terra something? Uh, maybe Terra Firm? Terra Nova? Is that? Terra Nova. Yeah, I think, I think that go. was one. I think Terra Nova was what I was thinking. Yeah, of. yeah. Now that um, one is one that you, yeah, that one fits more of like a Jurassic Park type. And let's not forget, while we're on the subject uh, of shows we grew up with, Land of the Lost, if anybody remembers yeah. that classic. Yeah, loved it. Loved Land of the Lost when I was younger. Ah, so good. (laughs) All right, so um, our next bit of news is just a quick little thing. Uh, We have a poster that was shared for the upcoming film Nezera 1964. Um, That was revealed, and it's this the movie we've talked about before. It's a possible recreation of the 1964 movie that was never released um, was never finished even uh, about giant rats uh, that had grown and mutated uh, into kaiju size and i was kind of hoping that this it was going to be more of a disaster artist kind of the story behind the movie but it feels like especially with this poster it feels like they might be moving towards just creating the film that they originally had planned on doing right so um what do you think about this i mean that's what it feels like to me uh, i think we talked about this uh maybe a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. maybe the, maybe during the ultraman episode we talked about this yeah um <clears throat> it definitely feels like that's what they're that's what they're heading towards um now my i do have a question that i'm kind of wondering myself are they going to try to reconstruct some of the old footage or are they just going to reshoot the whole thing and yeah. make it and make it modern, but maybe a period piece where it actually is somewhere in 1964. Uh, but it's modern, but it's being filmed in a modern way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. Now these are the same people who were behind, um, 
it was the giant buddha or invasion of the giant buddha or something like that um which was a film that had gone into production a long time ago and then never finished and then they came and finished it and they used the footage from the original black and white you know that had been filmed in the movie that they created but they ended up you know doing a new movie but using the footage as kind of like um uh, archival footage of you know how this right. had happened once before and so it was kind yeah. of in continuity um if they do something like that that would be interesting of like oh this isn't the first time these giant rats have have uh, attacked and we have you know this you know footage left over from the previous attack and it's the whatever footage it still exists of the 1964 movie right and the, from the looks of it if the posters if the if the posters tell you anything at all uh mm-hmm these rodents are going to be bigger, meaner, and uglier um, than probably what I was even expecting. I was actually kind of expecting uh, sort of a Night of the Lupus. Is it Lupus? Or Lepus. Lepus? Yeah, yeah Lep- Lep- okay. Lepus. Okay. I was, kind of, I was sort of expecting something similar to that, but it looks yeah. like we're getting a full-on legitimate kaiju film. Yeah. Well, if you if I did some research on this movie after we had talked about before, and if you're not aware, this movie, the reason one of the reasons it got shut down was because they used real rats on the sets because they had like this, you know, the they had hundreds and hundreds of rats that were supposed to be uh, roaming the city and everything. And they used real rats instead of using pet rats and trained rats which you can do you can train rats they decided Mm -hmm. to go and capture actual sewer rats (laughs) (laughs) and uh didn't say anything about the turtles that came with them and released them onto the set and used them and they started biting people and making people sick and so they ended up having to shut it down so it's like right it's, it's an interesting story. I still really wish they would do something like The Disaster Artist, where it was a, a, a story about the making of this film, because it's really interesting. The sets and stuff that they had, um, all the miniatures and stuff that they had planned for it or already made, they ended up using, because this was Daie uh, mm-hmm. that, that did this movie, they ended up using for Gamera the original Gamera movie later on. Um, right. So, you know, so all of that went to use uh, eventually. But yeah, I just, I, I find it really fascinating. It's like this weird movie about kaiju-sized rats and they used actual sewer rats on set that bit people, made people sick, and then they had to exterminate them. <laughs> and it was just like, it's this crazy story. So it is actually confirmed that um, they repurposed the suit that they were going to use for this film for, I think it was Jiger or Jig. How do you, I think it's Jiger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that's the one. I I couldn't remember which one it got repurposed for, but I knew it got repurposed for one of them. But, and a lot of the miniature sets were reused for the original Gamera, the giant monster. Okay. Cause uh, Nathan from monster Island film vault kind of brought that up when we were having a, him and I were having a, a, a conversation via Twitter a couple of days ago when I tweeted about the, um, uh, the poster art. And yeah. I think he was the one that maybe brought it up that it looked like Jiger. It could be, or it could be G man or someone else, but I think, but I'm pretty sure it was Nathan. Yeah. I, I know that it got repurposed into 
one of the Gamera monsters, and that's probably the one, because, yeah, it does look the most like that one. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it got repurposed into into one of the Gamera movies. But, yeah, yeah, so they had to, you know, work around it and everything. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what they do. I really am. Even if it isn't what I hoped the movie would be, I'm still interested to see what they actually do. I'm more interested in it now and we, uh, than maybe I was when I first read about it. Because when I first mm-hmm. read about it, I was like, eh, okay. It's a movie about giant rats or mutated rats or human-sized right. rats or whatever. Uh, that's been done before. Let's, yeah. You know, I wasn't super excited about it. But now that I, I have this feeling that it's going to be like a legitimate giant monster film i think i'm more interested right yeah all right so that's that one um let's see what's the next bit of news we have rumors have hit the web of new transformers movies that are in the works giant robots count as kaiju (laughs) (laughs) um so uh and one of the movies that is being rumored um i don't think it's been confirmed by anyone but it's just like a rumor that's floating around is a film adaptation of the transformers beast wars series yes <laughs> and yes. I, that's that's what i was gonna ask if you watched beast wars <laughs> yes okay so um <clears throat> i actually uh watched beast wars uh before i got into the actual classic or vintage like the mm-hmm. 19 is it 1970s transformers 80s. or the 1970s 1980s okay so i got into beast wars before then uh, mm-hmm. because I just thought it was cool that, you know, these, yeah. di- uh, these dinosaurs and animals can transform into, um, um, giant robots. And I knew nothing about the mythology or the lore or whatever, the history you want to say it, uh, about transformers. I just thought it was cool that the bad guy was a big purple T-Rex, but yeah. not like, not like the Barney big purple right. T-Rex. Like this guy, like Megatron as a as a as a tyrannosaurus rex that was badass wait am i allowed to say am i allowed to say badass yeah you can (laughs) okay sorry um anyway i had all those i had most of those toys um there was a couple that i that was either hard to find very expensive to find or just just eventually Mm -hmm. was out of production i do i did have the the megatron the purple Tyrannosaurus Megatron, mm-hmm. um, the Cheetah, the Wild Boar, uh, and I cannot remember what the Transformers names for these were. So you're gonna have to <laughs> for, for anyone out there, you're gonna have to forgive me. All I know is the animals. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that um, um, Optimus was still the gorilla, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Yeah, because I, I think later on there was another Beast Wars that was adapted that was. I guess recreated in another more modern universe where he was still the gorilla. So anyway, I had the gorilla. I had the the flying tiger. If you remember that one, mm-hmm. um, yep. the uh, the stingray. I had the stingray. Oh yeah. Uh, but my favorite of all, and I still have it, and it's it's packed away in some of my stuff. Um, was the Megatron toward the end of the series when he was this. Big, the big red dragon. dragon. Yes. yes, that was my favorite adaptation of Megatron during the Beast Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was like you. I mean, we're we're both '90s kids. You know, we kind of grew up in the '90s. So uh, yeah. '90s uh, is the best era. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and really, if you're a 90s kid, you watched Beast Wars because that was the only Transformers that we had at the time. You know, Transformers from the 80s had kind of gone away. Uh, the movie had, you know, run its course and everything. And so having this awesome CG you know, show that was just really just packed full of action, awesome characters, great story. I love Beast Wars. I really do. And I don't know how I feel about a film adaptation of it because I haven't been the biggest fan of the Transformers movies that they have made so far. But if Bumblebee is anything to show us, they are learning slowly that they need to bump up the quality of the movies a little bit. <laughs> uh, that they can't rely on just the spectacle anymore. For anyone that's interested, I did a quick, um, just a quick Amazon search here. You can actually still find um, seasons one through two, seasons one through three of. Mm -hmm the original Beast Wars cartoon on Amazon. I'm looking at season one right now. It's 11 bucks. If anybody out there likes, remembers the show and re and <laughs> wants to have it or wants to rewatch it, that's a low barrier to entry at 11. Like it looks like $11, 60 some cents. Looks like yeah. seasons two, seasons two and three are, um, are like 30 bucks, but that's not too terrible. That's not terrible for two seasons worth of, yeah. uh, of show. So, and actually I think, Every Transformers series, or at least almost all of them, are available on Tubi, if you know about Tubi, T-U-B-I. Um, it's a streaming service that uh, they have a lot of uh, a lot of old classic TV shows and a lot of things like that. In fact, actually, that's where I watch Gamera, uh, because it, they have an entire Shout Factory uh, channel, mm -hmm. and they have, they have ads in there but they're also a free service so um it's legitimate it's not necessarily you know it's not like you're torrenting or it or anything and uh they have all of the transformer series on there right so yeah if anyone out there who is uh, who is who is not technically a 90s kid if you grew up a little bit later um, mm -hmm. after all of this was over i recommend you go and get you a little piece of Transformers history and watch Beast Wars because you will not be disappointed. But anyway, back to this film really quickly and we can move on. Right. Um, if you can't tell, I'm excited. I mm -hmm. actually like the Transformers movies. I, I own oh, all okay. the Transformers movies. Uh, I can see why they get crapped on a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Michael Bay and all of yeah. that. So, um <clears throat> But I think they're they're fine. I think they're fine films. The Bumblebee film that came out, I think, a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. Um, just you know, I just I just really they're just fun um, couch potato movies. You really don't have you can just kind of turn your brain off a little bit and watch. Yeah, and and I don't hate them as much as other people do. I mean, there are people who absolutely despise those movies. I don't hate them as much. Um, in fact, actually, the first the first one I still think it's a legitimately good movie um i think it gets i think it gets bundled up with the later ones and just you know a blanket statement of they're all crap 
but I, I I don't think the first one deserves as much hate as as what it gets a lot of times. And the third one to me was was a lot of fun. Um, like you say, it was just a big popcorn flick. It the, really when the quality dropped off for me was with the fourth and fifth one, mm-hmm. and that's when it just kind of got it, it got lazy. And the by the fifth one they got really lazy, and so that's mm-hmm. when it just kind of like I was like nah. Um, but yeah, Bumblebee was really good, and I'm hoping that, like I said, that they, they learn that they cannot rely so much on spectacle, that they do have to make, you know, a quality story, a quality movie, um, and if they've learned that, and they apply that to a Beast Wars scenario, more power to them. I'm excited. I will be there to see it on opening night. <laughs> right. If Even if it's a limited run, or a straight to Netflix, or straight to Blu-ray... That would be perfectly fine with me. I would probably still sight unseen. Yeah. I would probably just go still pick it up anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so we can move on to the next bit of news. All right, so this is this is a uh, collector news. Um, so this is going to be more in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So according to SH uh, Monster Arts, they've experienced significant setbacks as to when they will be releasing their new line of Godzilla vs Kong figures. Uh, and so this is due to the fact that Godzilla vs Kong has been delayed, so collectors can't expect anything new from the company at least until July. So yeah. as we get you know closer to the actual release of the film. Yeah, I, I saw that on. I saw this pop up on. I think it was the first place I saw. It's been on several uh, different sites by now, but the first place I saw it was on Kaiju News Outlet uh, via Instagram. And then I got to digging around, and yeah, the SH Monster Arts for, for anyone who's not familiar with that, um, it's basically a high-end articulated figure toy line uh, who takes. Uh, uh, popular kaiju from the different eras showa heisei millennium uh just think about god just think about the different versions of godzilla or any other giant kaiju and they've pretty much made every single kaiju that is known at least every single popular kaiju uh and ad- and adapted them to be articulated figures and so you know you can play with them you can move them i know a lot of collectors um I think it was, I think it's a YouTube channel called Low Budget, um, uh, shoot, Low Budget Nerd or something like that. I can't remember exactly what his handle is, but he, he takes those figures and makes stop motion, um, movies out of them. I think his most recent one was, uh, Space Godzilla versus Gamera, maybe. I think that was the most recent one. Uh, and, and his his content's always really good. But anyway, he takes uh, these SH Monster Arts figures, who which are highly articulated. He makes stock motion movies out of them. It's really fun. Uh, if you don't, if you know, if you don't, if you've never seen them before, go look it up. But anyway, uh, so basically, since Kong vs. since Godzilla vs. Kong's been delayed, a lot of the merchandise that we're gonna see is gonna be delayed, um, right? Because they don't want to spoil the film too far ahead, but. Typically, we can probably expect to see some stuff come out from SH Monster Arts or NECA or, or anything like that. Uh, right. Maybe around mid to late summer, I'm going to expect that kind of stuff to start popping around, popping up around the internet. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand why they're holding off on it. Like you said, they're trying to avoid spoilers because it feels like... Uh, Every well, especially you know WB and and uh, 
Legendary, they are really cracking down on spoilers for this movie since it's gotten delayed. Um, you know, we ha- we talked about, we're not going to talk about what it actually was, but we're going to talk about the, uh, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the spoilers from the Hong Kong toy show mm-hmm. and how people reacted to that and how Legendary reacted to that, shutting down, like, different twitter accounts and instagram accounts getting them kicked off because they were sharing the pictures and stuff from this you know what was supposed to be basically a private event an invite only and it mm-hmm. was getting shared around and, and it was spoiling the movie or possibly spoiling the movie so you know it makes sense why they would hold off on it yeah, until I, I respect, we get I respect closer. that they i respect that they did that honestly um but yeah you know, in, in the world we live in you can't go spoiler free for too long so Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those things get shared no matter what. I mean, I, I understand and I, and I respect them for trying to keep it, to, to keep the fun in the movie, you know, to keep the enjoyment there, uh, and not have it ruined by, you know, these random news sources. But, uh, as a random news source, you know, we also have to look at some of these things and talk about them <laughs> as a, as a, uh, fellow random news source <laughs> for Kaiju news. Um, I don't think anybody's using us as a source for their Kaiju news. <laughs> God, if they are, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Cause, uh, we are worse than the newspaper. Like people say the newspaper is, uh, yesterday's news today. We are like last week's news this week. <laughs> So, um, the final bit of news that we have is an update on, uh, some releases for Ultraman because we're still getting the new Ultraman or not new, but we're getting releases of Ultraman finally on Blu-ray, uh, here in the States. Uh, so Mill Creek has, uh, entertainment has given a preview of its Ultraman releases for spring of 2020, which include, uh, Ultraman Ace. It's going to be a Blu-ray and Steelbook edition. So that's coming out in May. Uh, Ultraman X, the series and movie Blu-ray combo pack is going to be, uh, April 24th. 2020 and Ultraman X the movie Blu-ray by itself is coming out in April too. So that's a few new uh, Ultraman series that are going to finally be released on Blu-ray here in the States and we can finally catch up on everything. So of those ones, which are you the most excited for? Uh, I have seen none of them. So uh, I'm still on my Ultra journey right now. I'm about yeah. half, I'm about halfway through Ultra 7. Uh, I, okay. had to, I had to slow down a little bit uh, in in watching it. I'm not I'm not quite as far as I was hoping I'd be, um, because you know life just sort of life stuff just sort of gets in the way. But anyway, right. Um, I'm honestly excited for Ultraman Ace. Um, mm-hmm. I I love Showa. I love the Showa era, and there's mm-hmm. just a certain there's just a there's just a a nice charm about Showa Ultraman that I really, yeah. really like. It's cheesy. It's oftentimes just funny popcorn television just to sit back and enjoy it. But, you know, that's what I do. I, I enjoy it. Um, now, I have watched some of the um, the newer Ultraman, which Ultraman, Ultra Orb and Ultra Geed, and I really mm-hmm. enjoy those too. I actually enjoy, I, I like, the best parts about those are um, the stories are a little bit better because the stories are a little bit more complex. Um, right. <clears throat> obviously, the effects are better. Obviously, the mm-hmm. tokusatsu is better uh, because you've you've you know bigger budget. You're able to create really m- more interesting uh, 
um, more realistic and just better looking suit design mm-hmm. for Ultraman and the other kai in the in the kaiju that he battles. So, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to all of it. Uh, like I said, you know, I'm more of a I'm more of a show guy. So Ultraman Ace is going to be top of my list. Uh, but I'll honestly probably pre-order all of them. To be honest with you, I'll probably just pre-order oh, wow. the Blu-rays for all of them, and just so I can have them <laughs> in the collection, um, and just continue my Ultra journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have been like you, just going on my Ultraman journey, and uh, so I like getting the ones in order as you know they originally aired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, going to Ultraman Ace is nice because i i that's the next one after ultra seven isn't it the one next one after ultra seven or it might be there might be one in between there but it's the next isn't, one they're releasing um, that may be in, that that might be incorrect i think there's actually one coming out in f- this month if i'm not mistaken there's one coming out either in february or march uh i believe yeah. return of ultraman comes out this month that's right i knew there were, i was like i think there's one in between there but yeah yeah. And then it's Ultraman oh. and then it's Ultraman Ace. Uh, right. so yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch all of these in order and that's sort of been the goal for me, but uh if you want to just mix it up, watching some of the newer series, uh like mm-hmm. Ultra Geed, Ultra Orb and then now Ultra X. Um yeah, it's just a nice mix cuz you get to watch the really charming aspects of the Showa Ultraman and then you get to mix it with I guess what will you call um I don't even know what you would call that. The Millennium Ultraman. I don't know how, I don't really don't know how yeah. the eras line up. Yeah. I'm not sure, uh, how they line up either. I, I, that would, yeah, that would be the Millennium era. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I subscribe to, uh, the Toku channel on Amazon. Okay. Uh, so I actually have a few of the newer, um, they they have some Heisei and they have some Millennium Era, uh, Ultraman on there. And so I've been kind of, you know, kind of just kind of glancing and, and previewing some of them. And I've been watching a few here and there. I, I've really enjoyed watching, uh, Ultraman Mebus. Uh, and that one is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, that I one, don't know why. During, uh, we just came out of Ultra Month in the Kaiju <laughs> Groupie and, um, it was our first. Uh, it was it was it was our first attempt at celebrating Ultraman because honestly, I'm like a lot of people in that group. Now there are some hardcore Ultra fans in that group. They know their <laughs> stuff, but a lot of us now that Mill Creek is releasing all of these DVD or all these Blu-rays are just now experiencing Ultraman. So we're all sort of learning together. And I have to admit, you know, Ultraman was Ultra Ultra Month, I'm sorry, was a little bit of a I'm not going to say it was a bust, but it was a little bit underwhelming because I think it was just yeah. because we didn't quite understand the history and we weren't really super involved in Ultraman maybe as much as we were as much as we are Godzilla and and die and uh, Gamera and some of the other ones that are more well known and we're more well versed in uh, Ultraman right. has so many different complexities to it uh, there's mm-hmm. just so much to Ultraman it's hard to keep track of everything so I feel like to do a really good um, month long celebration of Ultraman and everything that has to do with that you really got to know your stuff so I'm hoping by January of 2021 when we do Ultra Month again um mm-hmm. we'll have some better content to put out to to the group so yeah yeah hopefully hopefully 
I will be more more versed in Ultraman by then because I am moving along kind of slowly. But I, I'm I'm working my way through it. I I enjoy it. I, I mean, to me, it's no different than Super Sentai mm-hmm. with the just huge long history and trying to keep track of all the different series and everything. And, and I'm a big fan of Power Rangers and Super Sentai and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So and even Common Rider. So and Ultraman predates all of them. So <laughs> I was talking with um, uh, Eric from monsters versus the monsters versus men podcast and mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me he's uh right in the middle of ultra q he's not all the way through it yet right but so far he says he's really really enjoyed it yeah he finally got to the episodes that we recommended him when we took his question mm-hmm. uh in the episode that we did i forget which one which episode that was that we did and he had asked us what episodes we uh, he had to look forward to, and uh, and he finally got to him. Uh, uh, Kanagong, uh, he he shared a picture of that on the Monsters vs. Men podcast uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yay! You finally got to the episodes that we were talking about." <laughs> I gotta check in with him to see what he thought of him because I haven't ta- I haven't talked to Eric in a few days, um, so I, I may yeah. I may I may uh, DM him and see if see what he's thought about those recommendations yeah yeah we gotta do that um all right well i think that's it for the news segment so we can jump into our main topic for this week now last week i asked the trivia question to hint to the topic for this week the trivia question was gamera's green blood is a staple of the series but what movie first showed gamera bleeding now, that was an interesting question, and it's interesting that we're sticking in the Gamera universe. Mm-hmm. Now, we had a few answers, and we actually had answers from all over. I usually get more answers from the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, mm-hmm. which, again, anybody who's listening who is not aware of the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, go check it out. It is a wonderful Facebook group for Kaiju fans. We're... We have a lot of fun there. Uh, Michael is the moderator there. And so it's a lot of fun. And we're getting into Fearsome Flyers month, I think is what February is. Yes, Fearsome Flyers. Fe- Fearsome Flyers February. That is, that is. I think that O'Reilly came up with that name. So we're dedicating, oh, nice. we're dedicating the entire month to uh, Kaiju who have the ability to fly. And so I think this first week... Uh, we are dedicating to the queen herself, Mothra. Um, okay. Week two, I believe, is Rodan and Rodan and anything that involves Rodan and, and that continuity. Um, and then week three is King Ghidorah and anything that involves, you know, uh, Monster Zero and and all that other stuff. And then week four, the plan is to not leave out some of the other kaiju. Um, who maybe are not as popular or people don't immediately think of that have the ability to fly or use flight as a weapon. So uh, for, the, yeah. for the purposes of this pod, for this particular episode, Gamera uh, would be included mm-hmm. in that. Uh, uh, Hedra or Hedra or Hedora, however you want to say it, the smog monster would probably mm-hmm. would be included. Gigan. Uh, um, oh, shit. Yeah. Gauss. I think we're going to be talking. Yeah. We're going to be, we talked a little bit about Gauss last week. Um, yeah 
Yeah, how is this for synergy, everybody? Uh, we 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 love the uh, Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, and so we wanted to coincide uh, Fearsome Flyers February with uh, a couple of episodes of the podcast that involved flying kaiju. And that's going to come back later when I hint to the next episode that comes out after this one. But um, as far as the answers go, we have... Uh, Brian Stafford, who sent in Gamera the Giant Monster, which was the original 1965 Gamera movie. That's the one he he said uh, was the first was the first one to show Gamera bleeding uh, because he th- figured it was the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Bell said Gamera versus Baragon or Berugon. Uh, Seth Alexander Hall said Gauss. Uh, Teodoro Garcia said Gamera versus Gauss or or Gauss, or Gaios, however you want to pronounce it. I always say Gaios, but... <laughs> uh, Oichi Samasama also said Gamera versus Gauss. And do you want to take a stab at saying that next username uh, that's in bold there? Hang on. <clears throat> let this me, is from Instagram. Let me put my thinking cap on for just a second. Uh, it is Abgift... Underline Keiko in Donut Adventure. Keiko yeah. in Donut Adventure. I'm assuming there's a person named Keiko and they're having a donut adventure is the way I'm reading that. So, uh, yeah, I hope you got some good. Donuts. Yeah, <laughs> that is a heck of a username, uh, whoever you are, because, and they, they commented on our Instagram. We appreciate you though, but it is a heck of a username to try to say out on the podcast. Uh, and they said, Gamera versus Giron. Uh, I Maiden 1305 said Gamera versus Giron. They were also on Instagram. Uh, Shijir, uh, who is a fan or not fan friend of the uh podcast he said a funny answer which i love the funny answers uh batman versus gamera dawn of kaijustice and then he put a little quote <laughs> he put a quote in uh in uh, uh batman's voice tell me do you bleed green blood <laughs> you will <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man oh so uh, we also have E13 Productions, who are the host of the Kaiju Conversations podcast. They've also answered before, and I forgot which podcast they actually hosted because I, I didn't bother to actually look it up. But I knew they hosted a podcast, but it's actually the Kaiju Conversations podcast that they host. Uh, Gamera versus Gauss uh, is what they answered. And Kevin on Twitter, at GX said Gamera versus Gauss. Now, the correct answer is Gamera versus Gauss, which goes back to our Fearsome Flyers uh, February, because Gauss, or Gaios, or however you want to say it, is a flying creature. And I think the reason we wanted to do this one, Travis, was we started out in the last episode, we did um, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, which was mm-hmm. an up, which is a reboot of the franchise, which featured um, Gauss, who, if anyone's, if no one's really familiar with 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 Gauss as a kaiju, it's basically a um, a fly. He's described as a flying bat creature or a flying bird like creature or bat like creature. Um, right. And if you're thinking, if you're if you're more familiar with the Godzilla continuity than maybe the Gamera continuity, think of Gauss as 
uh, Gauss is to Gamera as King Ghidorah or Mechagodzilla is to Godzilla. He is probably the rival to get. He's probably Gamera's top rival because Gauss actually shows up quite a few times in the franchise, whether it be in new right. footage or stock footage. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to bring up too. I'm glad that you brought that up. That Gauss, uh, this is the first appearance of Gauss mm-hmm. in this movie that we're covering now. Uh, it's a movie from 1967. <laughs> I had to look it up. Uh, 1967 uh, was the first appearance of Gauss. But like you said, he does come back many times. So he is like uh like King Ghidorah. He's probably the biggest uh rival that Gamera has. Um and he kind of looks like a tri- triangular uh pterodactyl almost. Um if people have a hard time picturing that, I don't know. <laughs> he kind of looks like that to me. I like his but, design. Um, honestly, I I'm, I don't have a problem with it. I think it fi- I think it fits. It fits within the Showa Gamera. He doesn't look out of place, um, and he's right. he's unique enough to where he's easily he's easily rememberable. He's yeah, he's he's memorable. There we go. There's the right word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He uh, he is he is uh, a memorable monster. Uh, and I, actually, I I think even though they are cheaply made costumes compared to the Toho uh, costumes. I think all of Gamera's monsters tend to be memorable because there's always that one big feature that usually stands out uh, from them. And like Giron uh, is has the giant knife face. Um, so, yeah, which also has an appearance from Gauss mm-hmm. in that movie. So, uh, yeah, um, this movie was directed by Noriaki Yuasa and stars Kojiro Hongo, Kichijiro Ueda, Reiko Kasahara and Nayuki Abe and Teruo Aragaki as Gamera himself. So I'm sorry I butchered every single one of those names, but I'm not Japanese, but I try to give credit where credit is due to the actors and the director who worked so hard on the cell. I feel like it's a trope of the uh, podcast by now, Travis, that we just butcher yeah. names. Yeah, I know. It's like, I can't wait till we get back to the Ray Harryhausen movies when it's <laughs> back to names I can actually pronounce. Me too. I'm, exci- <laughs> I'm excited just because I'll be able to pronounce some of the actors and actresses' names. Right, exactly. Uh, and that's not to say that, I mean, that that's, I mean, I appreciate the work that these people do uh, on these movies. I just, I am not Japanese and the language is still foreign to me. And so trying to pronounce those names it's very hard uh, when you're not used to the language. <laughs> um, so the plot breakdown for this movie, uh, I got this from IMDb. I'm not going to do as good of a job as Steven does when he wings it. So I'm just going to read it straight from IMDb. Uh, the plot breakdown is Gamera's back and just in time to save Japan from Gauss, a mysterious bat-like creature awakened by a volcanic eruption. As in the first Gamera movie, a young boy establishes an emotional link with Gamera and the two work together with the help of the world scientists to put an end to Gauss's violent rampage. So let's talk about initial thoughts what are your initial thoughts on this movie i out of out of the show i think there are about 
12 Showa, or maybe less than that, 12 Showa um, Gamera films. Uh, because you've got, uh, I think you got Gamera the Giant Monster. I think that was the first one. Gamera versus uh, Barugan is, is this was the second film. And then this is the third film in continuity, or not, yeah, in, in the franchise. This is the third Gamera film uh, of the franchise. Right. And <clears throat> after I hadn't seen this movie in probably a, a good few years, uh, like I said, I'm not well versed on some of the Showa Gamera uh, films, so I'm trying to get back into that stuff because I want to sort of broaden my horizons outside of Toho and Godzilla and 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 some of the others. I want to get I want to get more well versed in other kaiju, just so I'm not locked into my um, comfort zone. I guess. I guess that's how you say it. Anyway, um, I actually enjoy the film. Um, mm-hmm. It it has its issues, um, right? It, it you know, um, it you can tell that the budget not quite as not quite as high as Toho. Um, it's not as um, it's not as deep a film as say what Honda was doing. Uh, for Toho, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the plot and sort of and all the um, intricacies of the plot breakdowns and some of the characters and stuff, it was just a pretty straightforward monster film. If you are going into this wanting, if you're wanting monster action, there's monster action. There's there's a good bit of monster action. Um, if you're also looking for fairly good human story. Um, the humans aren't boring in this film. Um, you know, they're sort of one dimensional. It's just basically a kid, his, a kid, his parents and the, uh, Japanese defense force is pretty much what's, what the characters you get in this film. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, when, when you do get sort of the human interaction and sort of the human uh, plots or the human side of the story, it's well paced. Uh, I was happy to see Mm -hmm. that it, 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 it didn't make me think, oh my God, here's the humans again. Get back to the monsters. Uh, because some right. films are sort of like that. They're just sort of dry human characters. And you just say, okay, give me back, give me back to the monster fights. I, I, don't, I could care less. But actually, I found myself being uh, sort of engaged in the human story for this, for this film. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, because the human side, like you said, was not boring. And it was engaging and I kind of felt, uh, I felt for them. I was, Mm -hmm. I was engaged with the humans and I wanted to see them succeed. I wanted to see them achieve their goals and stuff. I think it was, uh, and and in my likes, I listed out the story at least early on in the movie, the story between the industrial, uh, group that's trying to put in the new highway Mm -hmm through the farmland and the farmers fighting against it at first seemed kind of, well, this is just, you know, industrialism versus, you know, your typical farmers, but it actually ends up being a lot deeper. And I don't know if it's just listening to too much Kaiju Apostle. And I listen, I look into the deeper side of things, but you know, the farmers were actually trying to purposely drive up the price of their land that they were going to sell. Mm -hmm. 
And the industrialists who are trying to put this highway in say, well, the village that's there is going to benefit from this highway because it's going to bring more business and more traffic into this uh, uh, village that's kind of dying. So it's like there's a little bit of a complexity there that I was not expecting in this Showa era Gamera film, because like probably a lot of our listeners who are familiar with Gamera, my first exposure to Gamera was Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and if you just watch the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of this movie, of course, it's going to be silly and goofy because that's the point of the show is to make fun of how silly and goofy right. this movie is. So when I watched this, I watched it for the podcast. I watched it in the original Japanese version mm-hmm. with subtitles. And I was surprised at how good it was. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, kind of had this preconceived notion that, well, Gamera is kind of cheap and silly and dumb and, you know, and everything. And it's just, you know, you're going to laugh at how, you know, cheesy it is. And I was actually surprised at the quality that, that, that was there. I mean, like you said, you do see the limitations in budget and everything. And they're not quite at the level of like what Honda was doing over at Toho as far as themes are concerned. But it was still really good. As far as a giant monster movie is concerned, it was no worse than some of the other ones that I've seen. No, and, and I think um, I think some of the struggles with some of the effects and stuff, I think it was just probably due to the technology that they had at the time. Because some of the things that this movie suffered mm-hmm. from, even Godzilla films suffered from. Like, uh, for example, the scenes where Gauss is flying. Um, Gauss <laughs> just looks stiff and like a piece of rubber or plastic and same with Gamera Uh, except with Gamera when he flies you know he spins around and there's flames coming out of his orifices Um, but you know you can still tell that it's it's a a plastic object or toy or whatever they used attached to a string um, which you know that's not a knock really against them it's just sort of what they had at the time and that's sort of the budget that they were working with uh and like i said Mm -hmm. toho and some of those films suffered from the same uh problems with some of their flying monsters i i can remember specifically um the first mothra movie from 1961 suffered from the same issues of when they filmed when they Mm -hmm. did like the flight scenes and stuff she just looked stiff same with rodan same with rodan uh, in 56 or Rodan when, when Rodan uh, came back to the franchise in uh, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Uh, it's, right. you know, I just attribute some of that stuff to what, you know, what technology was available at the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I encourage anybody who is actually watching these movies along with the podcast. I know a lot of people are probably not doing that, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, but if you are watching these movies along with the podcast and you've never actually watched these movies before, last week's episode when we talked about Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, contrast that movie, especially if you do it as a double feature, contrast that movie with the Showa era Gamma versus Gauss, because you're you're really just it's they're the same movie. It's Gamma versus this you know Gauss, mm-hmm. this this creature, but one is from the Heisei era, one's from the Showa era, and you really get a sense of when 
if you're new to kaiju films and you hear us and and we've broken it down on a previous episode what the different eras of japanese filmmaking are the showa era the heisei era the reiwa era is what we're in now what they mean if you really want to learn what they mean and learn the difference in them here you go (laughs) look at look at Gamera Guardian of the Universe and look at this one because then you get to really see the difference between the Showa era and what was available and what was uh, being done in the Showa era and then how much the technology, how much the style of filmmaking progressed Mm -hmm. by the time you get to the Heisei era, which started in like the mid uh, to late 80s. Um, Even if you're contrasting this film with other Gamera films, uh, I'll say we'll take the first two Gamera films because this is the like it's, like we said this is the third Gamera film in the franchise. Uh, we've had uh, right. we had the uh, first one which I believe was in black and white. Uh, there was not a color there was not a color version for that one. Um, if you contrast Gamera versus Gauss, and then say the first Gamera film and then Gamera versus Barugon, um, those two those first two films actually were sort of darker in tone. Whereas Gamera mm-hmm. versus Gauss uh, tried to be a little bit more lighthearted because it had, you know, some a little bit of comic relief. It went back to the same trope for Gamera films where there was a child who worked alongside, who, who uh, somehow established a connection with Gamera um, uh, and worked alongside him to help on from the human level. Uh, so there was, right. they went back to sort of, to that side of it made it more kid friendly. Whereas the first two Gamera films, I want to say were particularly dark. And I'm not saying that this film's not dark because there are, this film um, was actually darker in comparison to even what maybe mm-hmm. Toho was doing during this time period. Right. Because at this time in 1967, Toho was giving us, uh, I believe son of Godzilla was the was the competing mm-hmm. film at the time. And if you've watched Son of Godzilla, Son of Godzilla is very kid friendly. It's very family friendly. It's che- It's a. It's a little bit on the cheesier side of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Godzilla is prepared uh, portrayed as a father figure, which is you know, which they want. They, right. they went sort of from destroyer of the masses to hero to reluctant hero to father figure to outright superhero later on in the show era but you know this is not a godzilla conversation but what i'm saying is uh compared to what toho had done uh either in this year or even years prior this film actually was a little bit darker Uh, and i think that's what has Mm -hmm. really and i think that's what set it apart from say other monster movies at that time period because i think uh what was the south korean film um, that was out at this time too. I think it was a uh, Yongri. Is that how you say? Well, um, it? Yeah, Yongri. Yongri. Yeah, uh, which yeah, is also, you know, It's also a decent film. But even compare that film to this film, um, Gamera versus Gauss is way darker. Like you, like mm-hmm. um, I agree with some of the critiques that I've I've read about the film when I was doing research that the battles between Gamera and Gauss uh, <clears throat> and some some of those interactions were very animalistic. They were brutal. Like the scene toward yeah. the, I think it was the middle of the film, where Gauss is flying over, um, uh, flying over the Bay Area, 
and Gamera just pops up out of the water and literally bites his foot off. Uh, and mm-hmm. blood sprays everywhere. You know, Gamera, Gra- Gamera bleeds green blood. Gauss actually bleeds purple blood, which I thought was kind yeah. of a fun contrast. Uh, which um, yeah. which uh, kind of leads me to one of my likes is I like the design of Gauss. I like the fact that he seemed to be more alien than natural mm-hmm. what something is found in nature like he is he he does like similar to what how king Ghidorah is or king or Ghidra or however you want to say it is to Godzilla where um um you know in king of the monsters they describe uh Ghidorah as a false god as someone who does not belong on earth who does not belong in who who is right. who has no place in nature whatsoever and i feel like Gauss is similar to that because his look is so alien um, that there's really, it doesn't seem like there's anything natural to him, even though they, in the film, they sort of portrayed him as a, uh, as a natural uh, apparition or a a natural creation of either um, uh, nuclear energy or whatever. uh, Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's supposed to be like a prehistoric animal uh, that that come that wakes up. Um, but yeah, I think it's the sharp angles that you get in the design uh, that really adds that alien kind of feel to him. Um, so I definitely agree with that. Now, getting into our because we already kind of talked about our likes, um, we'll we'll circle back around to some. What are some dislikes? What what are some things you didn't like in this movie? Um. You're probably gonna disagree with me, but the but the kid, annoying. Oh, the kid, the oh kid yeah, was annoying. Um, and oh honestly, yeah, definitely. I, I'm probably gonna get I'm probably gonna get uh, get some looks for this one or or whatever. However you want to do it through a podcast or audio podcast. Um, the way they mm-hmm. came up with the name Gals was stupid. Yeah, I thought that. Yes, it I was. thought it was stupid. And that, I, that's a nitpick. I, you know, a lot of people I don't care where the name comes from. But usually, you know, in a in a monster movie, there's either historical evidence, right. um, prehistoric evidence, or maybe the scientist just uses some some yeah. trait of the mythology animal. even uh, mythology adds into yeah. it. Uh, some trait of the animal or creature to give it a name. This was just oh, he makes this sound that sounds nothing like Gauss. Right. <laughs> but that's just sort of, you know, that's just sort of what they went with. And I think that was just a way to bring the kid in uh, and bring some of the yeah. gravity back. But uh, I probably want another you know, I- sort of dis- dislike um, that I had was, um, you know, the vi- although I understand why, because like I said, you know, at the time they were just at Dye, you know, working with a tight budget um, you know, they were just kind of dealing with the technology they had at the time, but some of the visual effects weren't great. Um, right. You know, that, you know, not to be a Toho purist, but, you know, Toho really put, really put them to shame, uh, even prior, even yeah. in the earlier films, even in the fifties and sixties, early sixties, they were right. putting this film to shame because, uh, just some, just the way that just the, the effects just looked, um, it just it just looked cheap. Um. Yeah, and, and I think there's I was I was really trying to pay attention to the creatures, Gamera and Gauss, and try to figure out what 
was Daie doing that was so different than Toho that made it seem so much cheaper and so much uh, cheesier? And it has to do a lot with there's not much movement in the creatures mm-hmm. themselves uh, as far especially in their face. The face doesn't really move their mouth only open the only the bottom jaw mm-hmm. opens uh nothing really else moves and the googly eyes we talked about that in the in the last episode about gauss having googly eyes but he still does and, and gamera has kind of googly eyes too there's something about die monsters where they really like to put these gigantic eyeballs in them that look very silly and cartoony mm-hmm. uh almost you know very anime like or manga like mm-hmm. Uh, and whereas in uh, Subaraya's designs for a lot of the Toho monsters, they're smaller eyes. They look more proportioned with the rest of their body. And so I think that's some of the things that makes the creature designs in Toho stand out more than the Daiei yeah, ones. Yeah, there's no personality. Like Toho, I feel like Subaraya put a lot mm-hmm. of personality in his creations. Um, and I just feel like, I feel like, you know, maybe... Showa Gamera and, and Gauss and some of the other ones that, um, you know, pop up in the franchise mm-hmm. during the Showa era just didn't, I mean, they were unique. I will, I will give them that. They, for the most part, all of Gamera, all the Gamera Kaiju, uh, were very unique in concept. Um, but they just didn't really have yeah. personality. And I think that's one thing that Toho done really well was give their creatures, you know, enough personality to where you could reasonably believe that that is an, that that is an actual animal and not a guy Mm -hmm. or a woman in a rubber suit. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and we, you know, we talk about the cheesy effects. They do have a level of charm to them. Um, if you are a new person into Kaiju films, this would be along the lines of what you might think of when you think of kaiju before you started watching them. Like the cheesy effects, the cheesy uh, story, the silliness of two guys in a rubber suit uh, in suits fighting each other on a miniature set. But there is a level of charm to that that I really like as a longtime monster fan, as a longtime kaiju fan. So while it does take some getting used to, if you're used to it, I think that this movie does actually succeed in what it's trying to do, which is make a fun monster movie. Um, and that kind of um, brings us back around to some of our positives about the movie. I think that Gamera and the way that they creatively use his different powers is very interesting, especially since up until uh hetera godzilla versus hetera you really didn't see much variation on godzilla's powers other than the atomic breath and then his biting and clawing and stuff that he normally did but with gamera because he's has the fire breath because he can fly because he can spin he has the shell and so he launches backwards in into gauss a couple of times and hits him with Mm -hmm. the shell there's a lot of creativity in the fight scenes that i think is interesting even though they are on the cheesier side um one thing that i did notice and i think that this this plays throughout the entire gamera 
franchise, at least the well, yeah, the entire Gamera franchise, um, from you know Showa onward. I feel like Daie did a really good job at making unique uh, set designs, like giving us unique locations. Whereas uh, yeah. I, I was listening to somebody the other day, and they brought up. Um, I think they brought up sort of the fact that with, with Godzilla films and Toho, you get the same buildings, the same locations, the same um, uh, oil fields or, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just get the same. I think you might have been listening to our podcast because I think Stephen actually was said that Steven? last okay. week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, to, to reiterate what Stephen said, I thought I, I could have swore I was listening to somebody else, but I listened to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> well, it, it so. might have been something that somebody else said, but I do remember Stephen uh, specifically saying that last week. I, I listened to a lot of podcasts, so you're going to have to forgive me, <laughs> Stephen. I'm sorry. Uh, but I will give you full credit right now, whether it was you or not. Uh, Steven said last week that, um, you know, one thing that he was really impressed by was that Daie gave us some really unique set locations. Where, at, like, with, you know, the the battles between, well, the first few battles between, I believe, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the final battle even, uh, with um, Gamera and Gauss take place in this really heavily wooded area. With right. trees, and I think there's just a little field with some with some oil tankers or whatever, or the machinery out there in the distance. And really, you don't get that with um, with with Toho. Well, I think uh, one one unique location that stood out for me for Toho was the one in Ghidra, the three headed monster, where they were all fighting in the field or whatever. Well, right. King yeah. Kong versus Godzilla, that was uh, same, you know same way. We have gotten unique locations in the Godzilla franchise. But for the most part, they're all basically the same. But with right. with Daie, I noticed um, that they tried to give us unique locations, unique angles, and even uh, some maybe unique lighting effects. Or their you know some of their post processing. Because I noticed after watching this film, something I brought up to Steven last week uh, was there was a couple of scenes there where the lighting for, um, the battle, I think it was the seat. It was the, it was the water battle when Gamera pops up out of the ocean and bites Gauss on the leg and, and bites his foot off. The, the, the lighting, uh, is still, that is the same sort of warm reddish brown mm-hmm. hue as it was throughout the entire film. Uh, right. Um, <clears throat> Guardian of the Universe, and I think that was a cool little callback. Now that I've re- now that I've watched Gamera versus Gauss, I can kind of see that. I can see the similarities between the Showa. I wouldn't say this right. is this is this is really isn't quite the same film. Like it's not a shot for shot remake. It's a you know, Guardian of the Universe was a totally different film. I thought. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I can see now we're sort of. Um, they answered one of my critiques where I wish there was a little bit more callback. And I think those callbacks came in the way they shot the, in the way they shot the film and some of the uh, post-processing they used for like the color correction, some things right. that they did. They were a little bit more subtle than, yeah. than what you might've expected. Right. Yeah. Um, I, uh, we've got to move on because, uh, Steven's not here to rein us in. So, oh, yeah, and, we're uh, we've still got, <laughs> yeah. Um, one more thing I did want to bring up though, because I think it's a really interesting thing. These, there is a scene where Gauss is attacking the village and it is shot from the inside of, 
the family's home, you don't see Gauss actually attacking. You just hear the destruction and everything outside. Mm -hmm. And they captured so well the anxiety and the fear from a monster attack. That was an actual fantastic scene that I think feels more like the 54 Gojira Mm-hmm. than anything else like i don't think there's another film in that era that really captured that anxiety and fear like gojira had as was in that scene it was Go, yeah, such yeah. a good scene gojira was was brutal like the one scene mm-hmm. that stood out to me from gojira was uh, it was the scene where i think it was toward the end of his of his second rampage where mm-hmm. you know you know Tokyo is burning and all you see is this mother clutching her two children mm-hmm. and they kn- and you can see just the fear and anxiety on their face and it it's heartbreaking and i yeah. and, and i feel like you're right that Daye tried to capture that with with that scene that you're talking about mm-hmm. um and i and i think they I, I, if i'm if i'm thinking of the if i'm thinking of the correct one uh, i think you're correct yeah, so I, I think that I, I think you're spot on with that. That they did, did they did do a great job of capturing that fear and anxiety, and uh, just you know what what the heck am I going to do? There's a right. giant monster outside. I can't run anywhere, so I'm just right. going to have to hunker down and pray to God that nothing happens. Right, and I think it. I think they were really smart in that scene because we had already seen Gauss. We've already seen Gamera. But to shoot that scene, now that you know what Gauss looks like, but to shoot that scene completely without showing the monster, just showing the family inside their home, hunkering down and afraid of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it's such a powerful scene in such a for the most part, like we said, this movie's good. But for the most part, it is still kind of on the cheesier side, a little more fun and family friendly. But then that one scene it's so powerful and I think it should, it, it, I had to bring it up because it stands out from the rest of the movie mm-hmm. and it's excellent filmmaking. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get into our Godzuki score because we do this every week. If you're a new listener, uh, we like to pay homage to the great Godzuki, who is Godzilla's bumbling uh, nephew from the seventies Hanna-Barbera show. Uh, we pay homage to the great Godzuki by using him as our measuring stick for how we measure these giant monster movies. So, uh, Michael, what score out of five Godzukis would you give Gamera versus Gauss from 1967? Uh, taking out, taking this conversation into account, I'm going to say three out of five. I'm going to give it a three out of five because it is one of the more enjoyable Gamera films from the Showa era. So, you know, taking, you know, taking that into account and sort of in isolation um, within the filmography, I mean, I'm going to go to give, I'm going to go ahead and give it a three out of five just because, like I said, it's just one of the more enjoyable films. You got a good mix of monster action, fairly decent human story and human interaction. And it's both serious or it's, it's serious, dark and lighthearted all at the same time and it's got a good mix it's well it's got a good mix of all three 
Yeah, yeah, and I think it balances all of it really well. It doesn't it doesn't seem like such a drastic shift from one to the other, just like, you know, rapid cuts. It's like it's really balanced. You really feel uh the the anxiety and the emotions, but also the lightheartedness to balance it out. Um I am gonna go with you. I, I put a different score on the show notes, but I actually changed it because like you said, when we were having this conversation, it really made me appreciate this movie even more. Listeners, if you are only familiar with Gamera through uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mystery Science Theater 3000 has introduced a lot of great giant monster movies to a lot of great, uh, to a lot of people. And uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. But give this a shot in the original Japanese version with the subtitles because it's better than you'd expect. And it's probably i agree with michael it's probably the best of the showa era gamera films i I don't i cannot think of all of the ones that i've seen i cannot think of one that's better than this i think this did an excellent job so i give it a three out of five too it's a it's an excellent excellent addition to the gamera mythology it's definitely better than super monster yeah, Pooper Monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Definitely better. <laughs> I'd love to hear uh, David's thoughts on... Well, I think they... Well, I take it back. They did a podcast on on Gamera the Super Monster. Sort of as just sort of yeah. a, th- a throwaway episode. But they didn't get real deep into it. Uh, it was just sort of... Yeah, right. we watched Gamera the Super Monster. But I really kind of wanted... To, I'd love to find some someone that actually loves the film enough to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, and for listeners uh, who's not aware, David, we're talking about David Marshall, who is the host of the Kaiju Apostle podcast, who uh, is a friend of the show uh, and a friend to us. We love uh, talking about him and giving him shout outs whenever we can, just like the Monsters vs. Men podcast with Eric and Alex over there, too. They We have so many great giant monster podcasts out there and we love to interact with them and uh we're going to do some crossover episodes hopefully soon with them and gargantu cast is another one oh, gargantu yeah. cast is a good one too um i can sit here and list out a whole bunch of them but i'm not going to do that <laughs> um so that's our topic for this week our main topic so the last segment that we're going to get into is listener questions our mailbag segment and i still need to think up and come up with a mailbag theme to throw in there so that we kind of have a transition but anyway um our question for this week comes in the form of an email from a listener kevin tovar uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but it's that's how it looks to me. Um, he emailed the podcast, and we really appreciate that. If you want to email us, you can at uh, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at us, you can uh, catch us on Twitter, kaijuweekly, or at kaijuweekly on Twitter. You can also send us a message on Instagram, kaijuweeklypod on Instagram. And so Kevin... Tovar's question is what movie ranks higher on your Godzilla list? Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 1974 or Terror of Mechagodzilla 1975? Now, just before we get into it, these are two uh, if anybody's unfamiliar with the Godzilla franchise because like I said, I know we have new people who are new to the kaiju kind of uh, uh, genre. Um, this is actually the last two 
uh, Godzilla films in the Showa era, and they are direct. Well, one is a direct sequel to the other, so they both involve the same storyline. They just continue on from one to the from one movie to the next. So, Michael, which do you put higher on your list? Mechagodzilla or Terror of Mechagodzilla? Oh man, um, I hate that he asked this question because I <laughs> because both films have a very special place in my heart. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they were they were probably two of the first films that I saw, <clears throat> that I saw. Um, mm-hmm. being well, actually, I saw Terror of Mechagodzilla first. I actually didn't see fifty four or not fifty four seventy four until many many years later but anyway that's aside the point um oh shoot you know i really loved 1974 godzilla versus mechagodzilla it was for the for at the time it was a unique concept um and typically the first film a a kaiju other than godzilla himself debuts Mm -hmm. typically the design of that particular kaiju that is the best that is the be all end all the first version of that i don't know what i don't know what it is about it um that toho kind of that the designs sort of deteriorate over time um or change slightly to where it just doesn't have the same appeal but um but i think that i'm gonna have to go with maybe terra of mechagodzilla I'm gonna put ter- I'm gonna put the grand finale of the Showa era above mm-hmm. Mechagodzilla's debut film uh, simply because it gave us a it all it gave us the you know the typical aliens invade Earth they try to conquer Earth through Mechagodzilla, um, <clears throat> but it also gave us an interesting storyline uh, an interesting plot with Titanosaurus Doctor Mafune mm-hmm. and Katsura. Um, I really like that. I think um, I think that the the human story for terror was better than the human story for versus Mechagodzilla in '74. Um, yeah, because I while while I appreciate um, the sort of spiritual elements that they were trying to go for in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla in '74, I really enjoyed just sort of the straight up science fiction aspect of terror of mechagodzilla um yeah and i liked and i actually liked the fact that you know sort of godzilla was seen as the underdog he was and he was sort of seen as the underdog in this film because he um he had to fight both a more well-armed uh more pissed off mechagodzilla and mm. on top of that a mind-controlled Titanosaurus. And Titanosaurus right. is actually, in my opinion, one of the most underrated kaiju of the Godzilla yeah. franchise. Uh, now, he's made his, now this was his only film debut, but he has done... Uh, he has made cameos in comics and, uh, I think, illustrated novels, I believe, is where he's, he's also debuted. So, um, mm-hmm. he's, he's been around for a while. But I'm, I'm honestly... I'm going to put Terror of Mechagodzilla above... Um, just the Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla in 74, because I think they did a really good job of building on the Mechagodzilla storyline while introducing a unique, uh, human story with Dr. Mifune and his daughter, uh, on top of the alien story that you got, um, on top of just 
it was full of explosions and it was the grand finale and i think toho did a great job yeah yeah i um i'm going to i'm going to be a lot simpler with my answer because <laughs> i have a simple reason why terror of mechagodzilla is higher on my list than uh versus mechagodzilla and that is uh Caesar, Caesar, Caesar. I, that song, even as a kid, that song annoyed the crap out of me. Like, I understand why it's there, but that song annoyed the crap out of me. And I am not a fan of King Caesar, period. I know he gets a lot of love from the kaiju community at large. I personally am not a fan of King Caesar. So, versus Mechagodzilla, while I still enjoy the movie, it is still a fantastic movie. Terror of Mechagodzilla gets a higher uh, ranking than versus Mechagodzilla. And I also really, I enjoy Honda's style of filmmaking versus Fukuda's. And mm-hmm. if anybody's not familiar, Fukuda, uh, Jun Fukuda, he was the one who kind of took over making the Godzilla films. And he's kind of the one that made Godzilla more of the kid-friendly kind of fun Godzilla that you might recognize from son of godzilla or gigan or uh godzilla versus megalon you know he he kind of introduced those elements uh that that while good i still think that ishiro honda is a better filmmaker has a lot more to say and to know that this was his final godzilla film not just final godzilla film i, I think i think he actually fully directed a film himself after this he i think he co-directed uh with someone after this but i think this might be one of his final films ever and he ends it on such a high note like you said the action the explosions the just absolute sci-fi greatness that was terror of mechagodzilla but ultimately i think caesar is the reason that, that I just can't give versus Mechagodzilla a higher note than Terror of Mechagodzilla. Every time I watch that film and that scene comes on and it's time for that scene to come on, that's three and a half minutes I'm never going to get back again. Right. It's like, oh, three and a half minutes I have to fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> I, as a kid, watching these movies on VHS, I used to fast forward through it because I could not stand the King Those Mothra music, love it Mm -hmm. king caesar no cannot stand it okay um that's fair yeah so what but i'm gonna throw a curveball at you if you don't like that then what do you think about the jet jaguar song (laughs) i couldn't stand jet jaguar as a kid either (laughs) now i have i have come to appreciate jet jaguar as an adult right um but as a kid I didn't like him because it's like, I don't care about this giant robot. I just want Godzilla. Right. I don't care about this weird <laughs> alien this, this monster. This weird Ultraman but... ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. This weird like robot thing that's there that I just, yeah, no, I, I just want Godzilla. So yeah, but I've come to appreciate it more now as an adult. Um, that was a great question, Kevin. And I hope that we answered it thoroughly. <laughs> I think we did. Um, Yeah. Now, before we close out this episode and before I give next week's trivia question, I wanted to bring up one final thing, and this is going to be something that I don't bring up 
every podcast and every episode, but we just launched a Patreon. So if you guys want to help support this podcast, if you found some value in this podcast and want to give a little value back or a little support to us, we would love your support. Um, we are on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash kaiju weekly pod. You can go on there and support us. Now, like I said, I'm not going to be the kind of person that every episode I'm going to harp on. Please support the podcast. Please go on Patreon. I will mention it, but I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it every week. But um, this week, particularly because we just started it, I wanted to highlight some of the tiers, uh, the reward tiers for people who sign up. Now, currently we only have three reward tiers for the different levels of support that you want to give the podcast. And those tiers, let me pull them up, are the Godzuki tier, which like we said, Godzuki, we pay homage to the great Godzuki uh, again in our Patreon page. Uh, that is the $2 or more a month uh, level and the rewards that come from that, if you are willing to support that, uh, support us on that level, is you will get a copy of our show notes. We write uh, out our show notes each week, and it has the breakdown of all of our thoughts, all of our likes and dislikes, our Godzuki scores of each movie, and we will share that with you each week for each episode because not everything that we talk about or that that we write down. Uh, makes it onto the podcast. Surprisingly, even though we do ramble, especially when Steven's not here to control us <laughs> and rein us in, uh, we ramble a lot. Not everything that we uh, like or dislike about a movie makes it into the podcast. So if you are interested in seeing uh, more details about our thoughts on a movie, you can get that. Uh, and so that's that's the reward for right now. That's the reward for the $2 tier, the Godzuki tier. The next level is the $5 a month tier. That is called the hashtag justice for Baragon tier. Because uh, we love Baragon. He doesn't get the justice that he deserves. Absolutely. And, and with that, you also get the show notes, a copy of the show notes uh, each week. But you also get a shout out on the podcast. We're going to start... At the end of the podcast, uh, we're going to start doing a special uh, Patreon segment where we just once uh, one person a week, one patron a week, we will shout out your favorite, your, your name and your favorite monster movie or your favorite monster from a movie, whichever one you want to give us. Sure. Uh, you tell us which one and we will shout you out. So that's the five dollar or more tier. Uh, and then the last of the tiers that we have for now, we might add some more as time goes on, but just for now, is the $10 a month tier. And that I named Bearded Kong because Beardy Kong is confirmed for <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong, and I love Beardy Kong. <laughs> um, you get the same thing from the previous two rewards. You get the copy of the show notes, you get the shout out on the podcast, but... You will also get a bonus episode of an exclusive Patreon-only podcast that we are working towards putting together just for our supporters. So that is going to be a very special 
uh, podcast that only our patrons on Patreon can listen to, and you will get that once a month if you support us on the $10 tier. Now, we're waiting to get to at least $50 on our patron uh, goal. That's the goal for now before we start filming or recording that podcast, but it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of audience interaction. There's going to be a lot of things you can vote on with that podcast. So if you want to be a part of that very special Patreon only podcast, please support us at the $10 level. And when we reach our goal of $50 a month, uh, we will start filming that. And if we do it before the end of February, we will film the, or record the first episode by the end of February, release it by the end of February. So hurry up and support us if you want. (laughs) That sounds, that sounds really awesome actually. Um, and like Travis said, I think the guys are working on some, uh, <clears throat> they're trying to, we're trying to start small. Uh, I don't know if I should say they or, or we're, uh, I'm just sort of stepping in every, every now and then whenever, no, whenever you're I a can. Part of us now. So, you know, we're working on stuff. <laughs> one as, of us, one <laughs> of us. The, yeah. The meme. Um, so we're working on stuff as best we can. Um, we've got a lot of great ideas in the hopper, the hopper right now. And, uh, so we're just waiting on, we're just waiting to get to that, that certain goal before we can really start putting, you know, some money towards doing the things that we want to do for you guys, because we do value you. We do value the fact that you're willing to listen to us for, uh, an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes of your day and just listen to us ramble and talk about giant monster movies. Um, I think it takes a special person to do that or have the desire to do that. And we just, and we really, really appreciate just everyone out there. And one other thing that if you want to really show some love to the podcast, um, rate us on iTunes, uh, that helps out the podcast a lot. Uh, we would prefer that you give us five stars, but if you want to give us a more honest review, that's fine too. Uh, we will accept, we will accept nothing lower than a four star review. Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, but if you want to give us five stars, that's excellent we appreciate you we love you uh and again you know the more if we get the more reviews we get the more visible we get on itunes the more visible we get the more fans we get and it it just kind of snowballs from there so you get my point uh so yeah that's another way you can support us and it's free of charge and it just we just really really appreciate it and i think uh every now and then we'll read out a, a a new review as it pops in from itunes yeah exactly uh and so there's a lot of ways that you can support us. If you can't support us financially, you can share our episodes with friends, with family, with people who you know who might be interested in giant monsters. Uh, share with them so that our numbers can grow. Not that we really necessarily need to be a huge podcast, but we want to reach more people because we want to grow our community because we like having people interacting with us we we you know do a mailbag segment from the beginning the very first episode i've been wanting to do a mailbag episode and who knows if it starts getting uh larger i might start pulling some of the mailbag questions from the patreons and that might be a goal uh some of the goals that we have in mind that we're 
working towards that if you do support us on Patreon, that you will be helping us reach eventually is we have merch that we are working on. So eventually we're going to start selling some merchandise, some great t-shirts that involve giant monsters. I love designing the t-shirts because I have so much fun doing these weird random things. I have a hashtag justice for Baragon t-shirt uh, that I've designed and I have uh, one that is a uh, attack of the killer tomatoes themed <laughs> one and one that's a gamma themed one that's coming out and, and Mothra. And so, so, so we have a lot of uh, ideas for merchandise that aren't just our silly faces and the podcast logo we have actual fun interesting ideas for our merchandise that's going to be uh worth getting so if you support the podcast on patreon you will get that we're also talking about possibly doing a newsletter um that goes into a little more depth of the community the kaiju community at large because we can't really talk too much on the podcast because we have such a limited time mm -hmm. and we have specific topics that we want to cover that we can't get into like what's happening in the kaiju community at large so having a newsletter that we can send out to everyone uh, would be a lot of fun to do where we can get uh, in into that some more. Uh, there's a lot of great things that we have that we want to do. Um, I know right now I have lined up a couple of interviews that I'm going to be doing with some uh, really exciting people uh, and I'm going to definitely share the interviews on the podcast, but I may not share the full thing. And so if you want the full interview, you might want to support us on Patreon. And the more you support us on Patreon, the more we will be able to go to these places and interview these people because we have to travel sometimes to be able to do that. I know right now I am scheduled to travel to Pensacola, Florida and go to Pensacon, which is a sci-fi convention down there. And there's going to be some great guests there like uh, Akira Takarada, who's one of my favorite Godzilla actors. And who knows, he might be one of the ones that I'm interviewing. Don't know yet. That's yet to be confirmed. <laughs> I mean, who, who knows, but, uh, Travis? We, um, at some point in the future, we may have our own booth at G-Fest. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, the, Who knows? The the sky is the yeah, limit it, at this point. Yeah, but it's only going to be possible with the support of people who listen and like you said it takes a special person to listen to an hour and a half to an hour and 40 minutes of people rambling about giant monsters. Anything every time I look at the download numbers and it's more than 0 I am just shocked <laughs> because I'm like, people want to listen to this. Um, but, but yeah, so we really appreciate all of you, whether you can support us financially through Patreon or not, we really appreciate all of you, but if you can, you'll get a lot of special rewards. Uh, and so, like I said, not going to do this every episode, just wanted to do this because we just launched it. And so that everyone can get an idea of what we have planned. So, 
to close out this episode, I'm going to do a trivia question that hints to next week's episode. Now, at the top of the show, I mentioned that we are uh, sticking to the Fearsome Flyers February theme that Kaiju Groupie is doing because of synergy. <laughs> <laughs> and so the trivia question, uh, so that gives you a hint that next week is going to be a flying giant monster. So keep that in mind as I ask this trivia question. So the trivia question is, what giant monster movie intended to use Ray Harryhausen stop motion footage for the creature effects, but instead used a cheaply made marionette to save on the budget? Oh, that's a good one. That's a, that's yeah. a really good one. I'm, I, I hate the fact that I'm not going to be able to join you guys for that one, but I'm sure that you and Steve yeah. are going to have fun with that episode. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. And, yeah, we're going to be uh, sans Michael for the first time in five weeks. <laughs> oh, it's been, it's been fun. I didn't realize it had been I – was, I was sitting on the couch today, and I didn't realize it had been five weeks since we started doing this. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'll yeah. pop in every now and then. I think uh, I'll be missing maybe one or two episodes coming up. Just I need to get yeah. some life stuff taken care of. But uh, I'll be back uh, before you guys know it. Yeah, and we do have more guests lined up coming up soon, so uh, listeners, uh, look forward to that too. Um, but we always appreciate Michael joining us. And so to close out this episode, I'm going to say help control the giant monster population. Have your giant fire-breathing turtles spayed or neutered. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks a lot.